much African-American communities have suffered under democratic control. To those I say the following, what do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump? What do you have to lose? It was radically bold speech. Nobody did that. Nobody spoke like that. And I'm glad he did. It worked. And for four years, African-Americans in this country made huge advances in terms of economics, unemployment reduced. But now, with Joe Biden, it's back to business as usual. It is back to the same old junk. Joe Biden today went to historically black college, uh, South Carolina State, where he bragged, he lied, and he pandered, all right? That's what he's been doing for 50 years. That's a hard habit to break. So he did all of that, and then also there was a lot of weirdness too. Don't you ever forget where you came from. That's your secret power, you understand. I've spoken over 140 heads of state since I've become president. You know what they all ask me? Is America going to be all right? Angry, weird, <laughs> the rage. Here's the pandering. Everything is just about to turn around. We're going to do someday so many great things. We're expanding summer programs and job opportunities and other op services to keep young people safe and set them up for success. We're helping formerly incarcerated people re-enter their communities. We're going to reinstate access to Pell Grants, job training, apprenticeships, proven pathways to a better life. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. This is the pandering that Donald Trump was talking about back in 2016. Everything. They're just on the verge of doing something big. Infrastructure law we just wrote and signed into in the law and that Jim did so much to pass. We're going to create better jobs for millions of people to rebuild our roads, highways, bridges, cities, small towns, rural communities. It means more opportunities for black businessmen, black contractors, black engineers, building black communities back to where they have to be. The bragging, the lying, the pandering. This is Joe's, I don't know, muscle memory kicking in. This is really all he's ever done. For just two years, if you look at his resume, he had a normal life. Two brief years after law school, before he ran for the city council in Wilmington. Two years as a person who wasn't looking for campaign contributions, who wasn't asking for a favor, asking for a vote, asking for something. Just two short years. This is what he does. The phoniness, the um, grandiosity, the silliness, it's so apparent now, it's really kind of funny and sad too. On police reform, I share the frustration and I know the family well, George Family Justice Act and Policing Act, I know the family well. He knows the family so well, the George Policing Act, that he can't really think of that family's last name, Floyd. How about this? George, I mean, I'm sorry, Joe offering observations about how cops should do their jobs. Why is a police officer showing up to the suicide threat, someone trying to jump off a building? We need more social workers there. Cops show up 
Number one, because they're actually pretty good at it. They're very good at it. Talking people out of making a horrible mistake in horribly distressed moments. Cops have been doing this, really, since policing started. And oh, by the way, it's dangerous. You can't have social workers hanging off the side of a bridge, can you, while they're saving a life? And some of those jumpers, they try to take people with them. All right, Joe, you got that straightened out? Then the lying. Of course, with Joe, there's always lying. I got started in politics because of the civil rights movement. I noticed some of you were looking at it. I thought you were wondering, how does he know the black national anthem? Well, because I sat in the black church after going to 7 o'clock mass, I'm a practicing Catholic, at 10 o'clock on the east side, getting ready to go out and desegregate restaurants and movie theaters in my state. Um, none of that's true. Uh, practicing Catholic, maybe. Uh, something you don't brag about, by the way. But uh, here's Joe telling the truth. Now, it was a long time ago. He did tell the truth that he had pretty much nothing to do with the civil rights movement. During the 60s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved. I was involved in what, what they were thinking, what they were feeling. I was involved, but I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. Okay, and he also wasn't desegregating movie theaters in Wilmington. We know that about his record. We know he's lying. So, all right, we've seen some bragging. We've seen some lying. We've seen some pandering. But the thing is, Joe has real power. And when he comes up with ideas like this, um, we should be worried. I directed every single federal agency in the United States government to promote access to voting, and each agency is heading and heeding the call. For example, the Department of Veterans Affairs is going to make it easy for veterans and their families to register to vote. You know why? Because we're going to use VA facilities and they're going to open them up for everybody and nobody's going to stop anybody. That sounds really ominous, doesn't it? I'm a veteran, by the way, and I can tell you the Veterans Administration, we actually all know this, has enough to do already. And he wants them involved in voting. Why? What's really going on here? Vote manufacturing? I've heard of that happening before. They should stay the hell out of it, all right? Now, Joe, by the way, wants to, uh, he wants to be a huge, larger-than-life figure. He really does. He wants to show everybody that he's more consequential than Barack Obama. And to do that, he's going in directions he never did in his career. I mean, totally off-the-charts liberal. We're all seeing it. And then he's abandoned all of the corny little things he used to talk about that actually had some merit. He, he's jettisoned all of it. It's always appropriate to question another man's judgment, but never appropriate to question his motives because you simply don't know his motives. I never question another man or woman's motives. I question their judgment, but not their motive. You don't question another man or woman's motive. You can question their judgment, but not their motive. I learned that early lesson. It's always appropriate to question another man or woman's judgment, but never their motive. Once you question their motive, 
then in fact, there's no way to get to go. Well, he threw that out the window. Remember, Republicans are sick. They are sick. He said this crazy stuff out loud. And everybody who disagrees with Joe Biden, and that's basically all of the Republican Party, racist, sexist, you name it, he's going to call you it. We continue to confront the oldest and darkest forces in this nation, hate and racism, to the torches, those you ever think you'd see. In the modern times, people coming out of the fields down in Charleston, I mean, in Charlotte, Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, carrying torches and Nazi banners, screeching most anti-Semitic and anti-black rhetoric in history. Hundreds and hundreds of them. And when asked, the guy who had this job before, when asked what he thought about it, he said, well, there's some very good people there. <laughs> Hell, very good people. They're racist, they're fascist. And folks, that was four years ago. I never thought I'd see that in my career. The violent and deadly insurrection on Capitol Hill 11 months ago on January the 6th. Is this any way to unify the country, by the way? He has such little respect for us and particularly for that audience to look at them and lie to their face. Now, again, he's telling the Charlottesville lie that Donald Trump said that uh, neo-Nazis were good people when he explicitly said the opposite. He did. And the mainstream media continue to ignore it. They even write books about this moment and they don't tell the whole story. Two seconds later. Two seconds later, that's all they had to wait. Watch. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Condemned totally. Neo-Nazis, white supremacists, condemned totally. Um, but if you tell that part of the story, well, what... How do you benefit politically if you're if you're Joe Biden? I think he could actually benefit a lot politically because he'd be living up to this sacred promise that he made all of us. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. His whole soul. That's the problem. I'm not sure he has one. There's something very, very wrong with this person. And uh, he just lectured a bunch of black people about how much work he did on their behalf. Let's get a peek into what remains of Joe Biden's soul. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. So I'm not joking. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's out and out racism. And today, an out and out racist got an honorary degree from a historically black college. What an interesting country. What a sad moment. When we come back, Chris Noth, Mr. Big, is in big trouble, but I think he's being treated 
unfairly in a very big way that poses a risk to all of us. We'll be right back. Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. Okay, uh, I admit it, I used to watch the Sex and the City show back in the 90s, the early aughts. Uh, I watched it because, well, girls were obsessed with it, and if you were conversant in it, they liked that, and you could talk to them. Anyway, um, the show is back. And Chris Noth, the guy who played Big, is in some trouble, at least PR trouble. You remember Big, Chris Noth? He uh, was the handsome guy that Carrie used to like. He was a big-time player. Finally, in one of the movies, they settled down and got married. So the show has been relaunched, rebooted, I think they say, on HBO Max, and everybody's older, slightly more mature. So big Chris Noth is back in the news. He was in a special commercial, kind of a tie-in to the show. So back in the news, and what does that mean? He's a target, and cancel culture is coming for him. All right, so the Hollywood Reporter, more on that in a moment, uh, they say that some women came to them with allegations against Chris Noth, and uh, here they are. Back in 2004, a woman uh, they call Zoe, although she's anonymous, I think, in the piece, 22 years old at the time, uh, she says he flirted with her, left her a bunch of voicemails, and then it gets, uh, yeah, then it gets more serious. Allegedly uh, kissed her and raped her in West Hollywood. And then more recently, there's an allegation, although it's significantly less serious. In 2015, a 25-year-old woman named Lily met him at a club, and then they arranged to have a date, went back to his apartment. It goes like this. We were listening to music, and he has all these books about art and fashion. He tried to make out with me. I cautiously entertained it. He's older and looked older. He kept trying and trying, and I should have said no more firmly and left. Now she describes an encounter that, well, it's kind of nitty-gritty, but... Later, she says she feels slightly used afterwards. Um, here's the problem, I think, for Chris Noth and for anyone else, quite frankly, out there, whether you're in junior high, whether you're a priest, whether you're a teacher, whether you're anybody, if something like this happens, you now look at these allegations, 2015 and 2004. That's 17 years ago and six years ago. It's virtually impossible for Chris Noth to defend himself. Where are the witnesses? Where is the evidence? It's not. It's not there. All right? That's one of the reasons why they have a statute of limitations. Now, one of the accusers, I think actually both of them said they were triggered, triggered by the recent Sex and the City reboot. The women alleged two incidents of misconduct, they said, that took place more than triggered by the recent Sex and the City reboot. I wonder about that. Now, HBO Max, you have to go out of your way to get HBO Max, okay? Um, not everybody has HBO Max, but 
more people have basic cable. And Chris Knopf is literally on television every single day in those law and order reruns. Um, also, when these kinds of accusations come are made lately, they try to dress them up as somehow therapeutic or an effort, as we saw in the Chris Cuomo case, to uh, protect women. Yeah, maybe 15 to 20 years later, an anonymous woman came forward and she said she wanted to protect other women. Protect women or a media outlet's attempt to stay relevant by taking out a celebrity and screwing up his uh, life, especially his commercial life, his, uh, his livelihood. He had a new commercial, a tie-in to the show for Peloton. Peloton caved immediately, got scared by the woke mob, pulled the commercial right off TV. So, the Hollywood Reporter taking out a celebrity, boy, that's really what drives them. And who's actually there at The Hollywood Reporter? I don't know anybody who works there, but the type of people who dominate these, uh, these liberal media sites, they tend to be the sons and daughters of the very rich. Uh, there's a book out there right now. It's called Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. The author actually joined us earlier this week on this show, and uh, here's what she had to say about... These kinds of organizations, these outlets, and where they are, and who works there. A digital media job, an entry-level job, pays $35,000 a year, and 75% of those jobs are on the coasts. They're in San Francisco, they're in Seattle, they're in New York, they're in Washington, D.C., okay? Who can afford to live in New York City on $35,000 a year? That is the question, that is the answer to who our journalist class is. It is the children of rich elites. That's who it is, liberal elites. And here's something else that's going on. Great book, by the way. Uh, Chris Knopf is now almost 70 years old. And if you read the piece, there's a healthy a bit of, uh, or unhealthy bit of ageism, all right? He's not at the peak of his power, and now is the time they try to get him. Very interesting. Uh, older white men, older white men, huh? Talk about a class of people that is a-okay to disparage them. This is what I'm saying to you. Why the rage, bruh? You, you, you're doing well, but you're a mean, mad white man. When you're a white woman and you're a Republican, there's just certain stuff culturally that you don't know jack bleep about. And you should keep your mouth shut. I would have to ask black voters a question like, you know, why do the old white men, you know, who have the most racist legislation towards black people, why are they, you know, the top two frontrunners when it comes to black support? The entire Congress, practically 100 percent of it, is white. They are running the country. Mm, yeah. The corporations are run by white men. Uh, television well, that, that, is run that, by that, white that's, guys. Yeah, that's, I'm sick of these white men whining and complaining about wokeness. You see the contempt they have for people based on their skin color, based on their gender. It's absolutely disgusting how they talk. But since they keep bringing it up, white men, white men, white older men, I want to say a few things about white older men in history. There would be no 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery, if it wasn't for a white man and the other white men who voted for it. The 14th Amendment, due process, a white man wrote that. The 15th Amendment, which guaranteed the right to vote for everybody, former slaves included. Ulysses S. Grant uh, made that happen. I didn't know that. 
all authored by white men and voted in favor for by white men. A lot of them older white men. Consider that the next time you watch MSNBC. Hmm? And uh, one of the best older white men, that's not how I view him, but uh, I guess that's what he was, Thomas Jefferson. Imagine these words, all men are created equal. What a beautiful thing to think and to write, and of course it's true. But yes, he wasn't perfect, and he was a man of his times, and yes, he had slaves, and look at how we treat him now. You know, if they treat him like this, they could treat his words the same way. All men are created equal. I feel like I'm more concerned about that, quite frankly, than the statues, as much as this breaks my heart. We'll be right back with uh, some confusing information about the J&J vaccine. Maybe it's not good for us after all, the government finally admitting big problems with this vaccine. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Watch Mike Huckabee as he joins President Trump at Mar-a-Lago to talk about fond memories of Christmas's past. He'll also talk about the future of America. Make sure you watch The Sit-Down, Huckabee and Trump at Mar-a-Lago, only on Newsmax. So the J&J vaccine, the COVID vaccine by Johnson & Johnson, uh, the CDC, the federal government... Not so hot on it anymore. A new recommendation to essentially avoid it. Let's see here. The CDC is expressing a clinical preference for individuals to receive an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine over Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19. So what is the mRNA COVID vaccine? That's Pfizer or Moderna. Uh, This is bureaucratic gobbledygook a little bit, but uh, they are basically expressing to avoid the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Why? Because of potential side effects. Uh, Blood clots, namely, and all of these vaccines uh, have side effects, potentially. Potentially, yet they're always downplaying them, aren't they? Always. And if you talk about them, God help you on social media. Uh, Unless, of course, you're a powerful person who leans left. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. You got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus, this is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. These are the seeds of vaccine hesitancy that they complain about and they try to cancel people about, huh? How about that? Now, don't ever mention anything about those side effects. No, not at all. Don't do it. And it's all a thousand percent perfectly safe, right? 
there's one message to cut through to everyone in this country is this. The vaccines are safe. Please, for yourself, your family, your community, this country, take the vaccine when it's your turn and available. The vaccine would not be approved for the American public unless it was indeed both safe and effective. And I keep emphasizing both safe and effective. If there is one message that needs to cut through, it's this. The vaccines are safe and effective. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Uh, One message, one message, it's safe, take it. One message, it's safe, take it. Well, number one, it's not at the formal thousand percent FDA approval stage. It's not. And also, whenever I watch TV and I see a commercial for some drug that is FDA approved, it's much more than one message. Sure, they want me to buy it, but legally, they got to tell us about all the things that might happen. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions. People at risk for stomach ulcers or who take certain other medicines should tell their doctors because serious stomach problems such as bleeding may get worse. Call your doctor if you have high fever, stiff muscles, and confusion to address a possible life-threatening condition, or if you have uncontrollable muscle movements, as these could become permanent. Wow, and all those little commercials, 30-second commercials, they scram in all that information about the potential... Uh, Side effects. Yet every time we hear about the vaccine, why aren't they talking about this? It seems to me that Fauci and Biden, every time they say, take the vaccine, well, you really should get vaccinated. I think he should also say, potentially you could experience blood clots, nerve disorder, heart inflammation, abnormal menstruation. Look at that stuff. Why why can't I put this on my Twitter without, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm going to get canceled. Oh, they're going to penalize me 10,000 followers. They do stuff like that. They do stuff like that. All right. Got to go on to a pretty sad case up in Minnesota. That is um, Officer Potter, former Officer Potter. Uh, She was on active duty and she shot and killed a young man named Dante Wright. Now, by all accounts, uh, everybody sees this as an accident and she's being charged with uh, manslaughter. She's on trial for manslaughter. She went to grab her gun. I'm sorry, she went to grab her stun gun, but grabbed her gun instead and shot this guy who was running away during a traffic stop. I just shot him. I just shot him. She made a horrible, horrible mistake shortly after she was arrested. Uh, Here's her mugshot. Former police officer. They fired her right away. Now, uh, I only saw this today in the trial. Right after she shot him, she fell to the ground emotional. That guy was trying to take off with me in the car. 
It's tough. It's really, really tough. This young man should not have been shot. I don't think she should be on trial, though, right now. A plea agreement, something could have been negotiated, but she is now fighting for her life. She could go to jail for a long time. And this is some of her testimony today. I remember yelling, taser, 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 and nothing happened. And then he told me I shot him. Can you proceed or you? Yes, it's fine. Okay. So this is uh, this is tough stuff. Um, no one is alleging that she meant to do this. It was a horrible, horrible accident. There's probably got to be some penalty. There does, but I wish they had worked that out without a trial. Uh, Dante Wright should still be alive. He should be. He also should not have run that day. That caused a lot of problems. And... Uh, I sense his life was not heading in the right direction, given his fondness for uh, weaponry and drugs. We'll be right back. Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, it looks like he tried to buy the 2020 election, and he had enough money to do it, and he might have enough money. He does have enough money to try to do it again. We'll be right back. The United States Marine Corps. Marines are the best, absolutely, positively. I am biased. I served in the Marine Corps for 20 years, if you count my reserve years as well. Anyway, the Marine Corps is getting a little bit smaller. Take a look at this. They're kicking out Marines who have refused the vaccination. New York Post reports that 100 Marines have actually been ejected from the Marine Corps for refusing the vaccine. Now, take a look at this picture. Uh, a young Marine. Uh, that's not his wife. That's his mom. Congressman, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, Republican of New York. She has some thoughts about this. Her son was a proud Marine. Uh, Congresswoman Tenney, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Uh, good, good evening. Great. Uh, thanks for being here. So um, what do you think about the Marine Corps cracking down and uh, kicking people out who refuse the vaccine? I think it's unfortunate that we have vaccine mandates when people have a legitimate reason not to have the vaccine for medical reasons and other reasons, and that we should have exemptions and waivers for that, like we do with so many other issues involving the military. And I don't really think that you can argue this is a readiness issue when people who serve in the Marines tend to be younger and they tend to be one of the least vulnerable populations when it comes to uh, the vaccine. Exactly right. Common sense. They're in shape. They're at the peak of their physical fitness. Uh, and some of these guys, I mean, these side effects are real. Joe Biden doesn't talk about them, but the troops are talking about what are you hearing from the brass? What are you hearing from the troops? Uh, they have ways of communicating with Congress. What are you hearing? Well, I hear from a lot of them uh, personally. They have my cell phone number and they text me and say, what do I do? And some of them have uh, subjected themselves to taking the vaccine, even though it might be against their uh, their will or what. But they want to stay in the Marine Corps because they love it. And some have decided to leave with an other than honorable discharge, which I think is unfortunate. But uh, this is this is the world we're in. There's no common sense. And I just uh, say to these Marines, hopefully we'll 
this will pass and we'll get better leadership and at the top and also uh, with the commander in chief in our civilian command in this country. Uh, the top generals, are they voicing their concerns? Do they have concerns? Do you think they're they're sticking up for their for their Marines and for their soldiers or are they just kind of doing whatever the boss says? Well, it looks like uh, they are yielding to the commander in chief. I, I don't see much much coming back from any of the uh, the top level of, of uh, our generals or anyone in the Marine Corps, particularly. I could be wrong. I, I'm just not aware of anyone standing up. Right. Right. And uh, OK, well, we got a commander in chief and there are orders, but uh, we don't like these orders. Want to talk about something else that's in the news today. Uh, Capital Research Center, very respected group. Uh, uh, they've been studying uh, Mark Zuckerberg, IRS disclosures. Basically, it comes down to this. Zuckerberg, through various uh, nonprofits and foundations, may have funneled as much as $300 million plus dollars into swaying the election. He put a lot of money into uh, left-leaning nonprofits, uh, let's see here. I want to drop, pull out number two, if you don't mind. Zucks Bucks paid for private drop boxes across key cities to, um, let's see, to cover up mail-in ballots, hoover up mail-in ballots, bypassing the U.S. Postal Service in what was effectively the country's first mail-in election. I've heard people say that essentially he tried to buy this election and it may have worked. Yeah, we've been calling this out for a long time. I'm the founder of the Election Integrity Caucus in the House of Representatives. Just because of what I went through in New York State with mail-in ballots, it took almost 100 days to decide my election because of the problem with this pandemic election, the change in the rules, mail-in ballots. But finally, we've been pushing uh, the, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is the basically the front organization for where Mark Zuckerberg put his money, over $350 million was put into this nonprofit, this 501c3, and the money was, was supposed to go to providing PPE and, and helping out election districts who, who do, had to maintain social distancing and that type of thing. But we found out that 99% of it went to electioneering. And then we found out today or yesterday, because they finally filed their, filed their 990s as required by the IRS, a year later, over a year later, we found out that 90% went into Biden-leaning districts in swing states to move the election and to move voters and votes in that uh, to, to protect Biden and to put his votes over the top. And only about 10 percent went into Trump-leaning uh, jurisdictions. So it was clear that they made a difference and were showing that, you know, probably swung the election in these swing states. This money, and that's why I've introduced the N. Zuckerberg Act, and this bill would disallow and, and prohibit uh, not for profits, 501c3s yeah. from giving money to our, our government entities in order to sway elections, because mm -hmm. a lot of this money was not given, as I said, for, uh, you know, for helping the pandemic. It was given for get out the vote efforts and mail in ballots and buying cars and buying influence with local election officials in these swing states, which were critically important in determining the results of the election in 2020. Yeah. We got about 15 seconds left. I'd like to put that picture up of you, the dog, and your son. Uh, tell <laughs> us a little bit about him and, uh, and what was this all about? Oh, you're you're funny. Uh, my son is, uh, you know, I'm just very proud. He's a Naval Academy graduate. Go Navy! We won the uh, won the Army Navy game, and uh, now he is uh, about to start uh, a new career as uh, a reservist in the Marine Corps. But he served as a captain, uh, and he's just gotten out of active duty.
Awesome. But he's a, he's a great kid. And where's Thank that? you for your service as well, and happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you so much. What about the dog, real quick? What, I love that dog. Is the dog still around? Yeah, sadly, that's the dog that my son raised that was the uh, daughter of two other Marines uh, dogs, and she passed away of cancer, but she's been replaced by a beautiful Australian shepherd named Ginger. So uh, we carry on the dog tradition in my family. We love animals. Okay, terrific. Well, thank you very much. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, Republican uh, from upstate New York. We appreciate it to be continued, and we'll be right back. boy, Joe Biden today at the historically black college, South Carolina State. And Joe being Joe, what did he do? He bragged, he lied, he pandered. That's what he does. He's a career politician, but uh, he's lost all of his game. If he ever had game, it's gone. So clumsy, so over the top. We're going to go through it with... uh, one of my favorites, Craig Shirley, presidential historian, noted Reagan biographer. Biographer Craig, welcome back. How are you? Hi, Greg. How are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, indeed. Uh, let's get to it. Joe Biden started off with a bunch of weird yelling. Don't you ever forget where you came from. That's your secret power. You understand? I've spoken over 140 heads of state since I've become president. You know what they all ask me? Is America gonna be all right? What, as a historian, as a presidential historian, I gotta ask you, what the hell is wrong with him? (laughs) Uh, He's always been an egotist. He's always had a massive sense of self. He can't, he's never met a personal pronoun he doesn't like. He can't stop talking about himself. And quite honestly, the answer is to the foreign leaders, if they're worried about the state of America, the state of America is bad because he's president. He is, without a doubt, uh, of the last hundred years, I've studied all the presidents and I've written about several of them. He is by far the dumbest man ever to be president of the United States and the most egocentric. You know, the, the, the key is, is intelligence and character and humility. And he has none of those. You know, Donald Trump, let's face it, he could brag a little bit, but I felt sure. that he bragged and, you know, talked about genuine achievements where Joe is making stuff up every step of the way. Uh, he went there again. He's been caught before on this. He's even apologized for saying it, but he can't help himself. Joe's role in the civil rights movement. Listen to yeah, this. Yeah, I know. It's Listen. ridiculous. I got started in politics because of the civil rights movement. I noticed some of you were looking at it. I thought you were wondering, how does he know the black national anthem? Well, because I sat in a black church after going to 7 o'clock mass. I'm a practicing Catholic. At 10 o'clock on the east side, getting ready to go out and desegregate restaurants and movie theaters in my state. None of that happened. <laughs> he None actually, he's admitted it before. He's been caught in this yes. same lie, and he's had yes. to apologize for it, but he keeps going there. Yeah, he's a, he's a fabulous. He believes his own lies. But, you know, they're, they're not just little white lies that sometimes politicians are caught in. These are giant, these are giant lies that he's uh, caught in, and they're eroding his support. No wonder he's in the, in the 30s now, and if he keeps it up, he'll be in the 20s before the, before the uh, end of next year. 
So, Craig, often over the past uh, couple of years, two years now, well, it would be you, me, and Doug Weed, the great historian. Uh, we lost him. He died uh, about a week ago, uh, a stroke, I believe. He was just 75 years old, great guy, uh, confidant of several presidents. And um, I want to just play a moment uh, so we can all remember what he sounded like and his nature. I think it comes through right here. They not only want to shut him up, they want to put him in jail. Uh, this is very close to Putin uh, killing, murdering his political opponents. We do it our way through the media and big tech. Look at what we've done in a hundred days. Look at what we've done. And of course, you know, Greg, he, he said there was no vaccine until I became president. Just you, you don't call it a lie because with Joe, you know, there's something wrong with him. Well, he was a great man, Doug Weed. And you see, he Craig, he always kind of got a kick out of history as he was talking. You know what I mean? Out of what he was seeing. He got a kick out of things. Absolutely. He, he got a kick out of life and he got a kick out of history. And he wrote so many good books uh, and is really the leading expert on the on, He mined an area that had not been uh, mined before, which was presidential children. Which And he wrote several books on presidential children from John Adams all the way to Theodore Roosevelt. And so he went after an area that nobody had ever explored before, and he was quite the master at it. Uh, he was such a good guy. He was such a friendly guy. Uh, it, it, I, I, I mourn. And, you know, the one thing, too, Greg, is that there are lots of historians on the left. There's Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham and Doug Brinkley and other leftist historians. And there's so few of us on the right, you know, Paul Johnson and Doug yeah. and myself, but you know that now we're now we're, we've left a big hole there, unfortunately, of uh, people who want to tell the truth about American history and not succumb to this nonsense like 1619 Project. Well, we're we're very fortunate to have had Doug's contributions both in writing and on this show. We will miss Doug Weed, a great man, passed away December 10th at the age of 75. All right, Craig, to be continued. Uh, we'll see you back here soon, and I appreciate it so much. And by the way, um, what's it called again? Reagan. What's that favorite book Reagan's of mine? Rise. Well, several, five books on Reagan. Uh, uh, Rendezvous with Destiny. Reagan That's the rise. one. Yeah. That's the so best like one. one. Is that the best one? I think it's the best one. No, I think, I think actually, I, my personal favorite is Rendezvous with Destiny, which is about the 1980 campaign and the rise of Reaganism, the rise of American conservatism, and the fall of, of Carter and, and uh, liberal politics. The end of the New Deal oh. was, the, was, oh. with the new, was with the 1980 campaign. Craig Shirley, presidential historian. Check out his books on Reagan. We appreciate it so much. To be continued. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. We'll be right back. It was a holy alliance, President Reagan and Pope John Paul II working together on a secret mission to end communism and make the world a better place. Michael Reagan and others reveal the inside story. Watch Reagan, John Paul II, and the Divine Plan. Thanks so much. Stinchfield is next. See you next week.